we're basically in the Middle Ages again. There's plague and revolt and what are we, we have to all stay home and we don't have language for it yet, but a really natural way to create symbols and sort things in our brains, something that we do even before we can talk as kids is make pictures. In May of 2020, the citizens of Richmond, Virginia took to the streets to protest racial inequality, police brutality, and the monuments to Confederate generals that line our historical streets and city parks. As a result, African-American artist and community activist Hamilton Glass chose to create a public art project that brings together artists from different cultural backgrounds to paint murals that start conversation and heal the divides between us. That project is called Mending Walls. Hey everyone, I'm Hamilton Glass, the creator and founder of Mending Walls. And today I'm here with S. Ross Brown and Amy Smith. Hey guys, thanks for, for joining me today. Thanks Hi. for having us. Thanks, Ham. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you guys are two artists here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm going to kind of let you introduce yourself uh, and let people know kind of what you do and your medium. Amy, please. Okay, my name is Amy Smith and I am a painter. I paint with oil paint and watercolor and sometimes acrylic, and I also do some sculpture. Uh, my name is S. Ross Brown. I am a painter, writer, poet, illustrator, photographer, and designer. I uh, paint mainly figurative paintings. I mean, that's just the genre that I dig at the moment, but I like all the genres. And... Um, been doing it for I guess about 28 years. Ooh, awesome. I'm so glad you guys uh, chose to be a part of this Mending Walls project. I feel like I I knew you both or know you both very very well. I kind of chose to put you guys together just because I felt like I figured it. <laughs> just because I felt like you all were in two opposite worlds. And actually, Ali, and if I believe that you all were on each other's list. So just for the the listeners, when I was pairing the artist, what I did was I asked him to give me a kind of a, a list of three people that they would, you know, want to, to be paired with. And I believe both of you all had each other's on their list, which didn't happen often. So it was amazing that you were there. And I think you guys made it easy for me. But I'm really interested when, when you guys learned that you all were going to be working together, kind of what was that first conversation like? What, what, how did you all jump into it? My approach initially was to be ready to listen to what Ross had to say um, for a few reasons, one being that this is, you know, a movement about Black Lives Matter, and I am not living a Black life, so, you know, I should probably listen to the one who is living it. But, you know, I if I had approached this mural on my own, it would have been a totally different thing. I would not have directly done a portrait. I would have approached it in a way of, like, what can I do to inspire and bring just joy or or liveliness to this wall instead of making a comment because I feel like on my own it's not really something that 
I should speak very loudly about, and it's more like a, I should have conversations with people one-on-one, Yeah, which is more so my personality anyway. So working with Ross and hearing his perspectives, especially it's our wall was on his build the building where he lives. Yeah, that's a point and, I didn't bring up yet. And in his neighborhood. And so even as we were outside, people would drive by and say, Hey Ross. Right, and, right. and he would he would say hi back. So it was really um letting him take the lead in in what we were gonna be saying because he knows the area so well. That that's something that I didn't think about until you all started, if that makes any sense. Like and how did you feel about that? Do you feel like you had an heightened responsibility to that because it was on your building? Uh, a little bit. I mean, um, knowing the neighborhood more so because seeing the people, there are a lot of disenfranchised people there. I mean, it's a food desert over there. There's a lot of people who I had to spend a lot of time just speaking with guys you know just about their lives they're unloading while i'm up up on this you know scissor lift pulpit you mm-hmm. know and i'll be you know talk to these guys and i, I you know a, f- a few things one you know uh you know i wanted a wall that was not too far to get to for one all right two the i you know i really wanted to there was a guy on the radio who said wow you know uh you know, my white friend came up to me and, and asked me, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to be a black man in America. And he said, try, you know, and that's something that I don't, that wouldn't even have to be a thing with Amy because she's so empathetic and open and, and knows a lot about more, more things, you know, social justice aspects than I even know about, you know, so I'm like, you know, we got good person here, open minded, but I also wanted to, you know, I also expressed that there was a duty to the people who lived in that community to see somebody who looked like them being painted by somebody who looked like them, that was expressing something that that in, inspired some sort of hope, some sort of thing. Because everybody is a lot of people who are just so. I mean, I got cats nodding out on heroin right you know like right there at the same building you know right next door i mean right on the building uh you know i had people who just yeah croaker spot there's so many people who come there you know it's right across from croaker spot and so you had people who were being inspired right then and there you see in real time i'm sure some of the film crew there was some guys who came in from new york who was just in front of the camera like yeah we're here you know (laughs) and it was just um I just wanted, and and of course, you know, I'm a kind of a portrait artist. I paint people, and so I wanted to at least cater to the one strength I know I have, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I wanted to also cater to her strengths as well, you know. I I was like, you know, I I really loved, you know, I'm she's not a botanist painter, <laughs> but she's she's really uh, 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 has a real uh, skill and acumen. Uh, uh, for doing the portraits of these creatures. You know, you don't do portraits, you do portraits of flowers. They're wonderful looking, they're personal. But I felt a lot more pressure because I couldn't walk away from this mural. I couldn't mm. paint it on one side of town and be like, yep, you right, know, right. see ya, <laughs> you know. So before we kind of jump into what you all, what you all did, I would like you to kind of describe what 
the final product of your piece was and then and then we'll kind of jump into how you got okay, into yeah. the well it's a it's a a young woman uh, her hair is natural uh, she has red black and green uh, head wrap on of sorts uh, her fist is in the air she's wearing you know modest clothing she has a backpack on to denote her you know she's a student she's carrying a a, a large framed photograph that you know obviously of some import uh, she is in a field that shows the depth of field of the rows of agriculture. She is in. Uh, she has a large sun behind her, with the African Adinkra symbol Jainyame emblazoned inside of it. She has the sun is coming down. It's very. It's kind of like twilight, like that. That time. It's either sunset or sunrise. It could be either of the two. In the foreground, she has a beautiful range of wild flowers that you know set the piece off that give it some real fire and there is the starship enterprise high in a corner uh also kind of denoting a future i don't think i noticed that yeah <laughs> that is amy's uh <laughs> she said that she said of all the things she said i'm gonna put my foot down this is what it has to be in there hey, hey, hey i'm not no argument you know <laughs> yeah the um the starship enterprise is important to me when I'm thinking about a lot of the themes in this mural because we're talking about the past and the future which Star Trek itself represents to me Mm -hmm. Um, there's also it represents to me strong black women not only because Lieutenant Uhura was one of the first black women on TV to have a role that was Mm -hmm. a leadership role And she was on the first interracial kiss in TV, first interspecies kiss, probably. (laughs) And, you know, not only that, but after she played that role, she was instrumental in recruiting. The actress recruited um, young black men and women to work at NASA. And she would go town to town and speak. And she got um, these men and women interested in space and becoming astronauts and working on doing the math and engineering at NASA as well. And my therapist is one of my favorite and I think strongest role models for me as a female. And she's a black woman and uh, she loves Star Trek. So to me, that mm. symbol is both personal and I think um, kind of universally represents strength of women in the past and the future. That's so amazing. I'm I'm like disappointed in myself that I did not. You didn't notice it's it. really small. It's like. You know, but somebody when I when we had just mm-hmm. finished painting it, I was on the wall and this guy stopped in the middle of the street and said, Is that the Starship Enterprise? I said, Yes it is. He said, Cool. I'm a Trekkie. Wow. <laughs> oh, I forgot to add that there's also the statue removed Lee Plinth from the Lee Monument, uh, with some graffiti on it, but it's basically almost fading away. It's inconsequential even though it's there. It's it denotes geography. So explain the because we've already gotten to explaining the elements now. So we've got the Starship Enterprise. We yeah, have we the, go from the top down. The Lee Monument. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's next? So the agriculture. What? What is? What was behind that? I mean, a lot of Black history in the past, and especially why there's a Lee Monument in the first place, is steeped in the uh, chattel slavery of enslaved Africans for the use of you know, uh, fomenting their agriculture, making, you know, you know, for cotton, tobacco, what have you, free labor, 
for the industry of the time, which was agriculture. And instead of giving a specific crop, we just wanted to show those lines, not as a, you know, and and agriculture is beautiful. It's not its fault. It was used for nefarious aspects, but to show that toil, to show those stripes as a, as a direct line to every black Americans, not too distant past. Right, right. Absolutely. And so I think the last element we didn't talk about was the dinkra behind Adinkra. I'm sorry. The, okay. the Adinkra behind the girl. What is what is that? Mean? Well, Adinkra is a visual language, almost like hieroglyphs of ancient aspects of Africa and not so ancient. They were brought back to the fore by uh, Kwame Nkrumah and his uh, Adinkra handbook that is basically a, a dictionary for these symbols. And for example, uh, some of these symbols are built on on the way certain things are shaped. Like, uh, for example, Binakabi is two alligators biting each other's tails. But the mm. symbol doesn't look exactly like two alligators. But if you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see you how can that see is. It, yeah. And there are different graphic aspects. And they're very beautiful graphically. Now, Binakabi means one should not provoke outrage or bite another person. Now, that's the first aspect. Then there's like a whole paragraph or two, par- you know, a whole page full of philosophies behind why you shouldn't bite someone, you know, that are there. And so in my uh, classes, I often have make people put all these, all this information into one symbol that can codify so much in a definition. Now, the symbol we use uh, was Jainyame, which we had issues with some of its meaning, but I think a lot of this is open interpretation as it is with a lot of living things like living books and living text. And so the interpretation is, except God, I fear none. I fear no one. Hmm. Now, it's E-X-C-E-P-T. I feel like I yeah, need to make yeah, clear. Yeah, yes, yes, not accept. Yeah. So um, now I don't fear God. I love God. And I am, you know, we're spiritual beings and, you know, uh, she and I. And I was like, you know, yes, I, I have exception to that. And I really think that it it's culturally, you know, depending on your culture. In our uh, personal opinion, you know, uh, loving being of, from a God of love and spreading that love and, and saying, you know, we wanted that strength to be coming from the sun, which was a, a sphere of worship, worship for so many centuries as well, but also gives light. It's a symbol of illumination, yeah. you know. That's why I love these conversations, because your piece looks very straightforward when you, when you see it, but the explanation of it is it's just a whole lot of symbols. It's a whole lot of symbols, which is, which is amazing. The other thing that we didn't dive deep into deep into is the, the portrait of Maggie Walker that Mm -hmm. she's holding. Why did you choose Maggie? It was hard. I was going through a lot of stuff like, wow, who, what, you know, we went back and forth on some, some imagery, but I felt that a lot of the, you know, personally felt that a lot of the ills of our not equal society uh, deals with the allocation of economic uh, independence. A lot of times to this day, we have banks that don't, that, that will just purposely not 
loan to black people and making it impossible to have generational wealth. And when you don't have generational uh, wealth, then you have, you know, these school districts only funded if, if, if the neighborhood is, is affluent, then, you know, separate but equal. No, it's not equal. You have a certain amount of money that is given to these school districts just because the tax base is high. And I wanted to put someone there that this particular person could look up to, and that would be someone like Maggie Walker, whose mother was a slave, you know, was enslaved, was an enslaved African. I like to say that better than a slave um, because, you know, that's who she was. And she grew up in the in a society that not only feared her, but hated her, that, you know, it was illegal to work after you were married. It was, a you know, just being a black woman in that time was just unimaginable. She was the first black woman to start a bank in the world and to start uh, some economic empowerment amongst her people. And I also wanted to have her be young because, one, it's rare to find an image of her. She always looks like, you know, some wealthy dowager in the pictures. And she was, you know, (laughs) at that point. But I wanted somebody that this girl could say, okay, you know, I I see me in her. Myself in her, yeah. Yes, because she's 15 in this image. And so, you know, being young, uh, I felt that she was at the nascency of her life. She was at the beginning. At that time, the photo was taken. She had no idea what greatness she would uh, come to. Yes. So one of the other things that I was curious about, especially I think you guys had the only community engagement day that I missed. Mm-hmm. Apologies for that. But it looked really cool. I know you held it in your studio, which is on the building mm-hmm. that your mural is on. Kind of tell us a little bit about that. Well, we had to have it in there because it was really nothing for them to do unless they got on the lift because our mural started so high off the ground. And I usually give a mandala class, and a mandala is a uh, it's a drawing of the universe, basically. Chaos, life, death, the most important thing in the center. And so we had them basically compartmentalize the chaos and the the anxiety of the moment, you know, with the pandemic and with the, and the riots and all these other things. And and also from a social justice standpoint, uh, then I had them think about how they perceive, you know, other cultures, other races and their social justice and their, you know, social responsibility because everybody who was there was white. And it, and they painted some beautiful things. It wasn't the, the complex mandala I usually teach. It was mm-hmm. just chaos, things you might hate, because that's part of our world. I, I really have to commend you guys for doing that. And I guess one of my privileges in being, I guess, at every one of these community engagement pieces is that I get to meet the people who volunteer for it. And that that is a common theme. Like, the people are really coming out to learn and do something. Mm-hmm. And most of them don't know what to do, right? They're like, I don't... I'm just sitting in my house watching all this stuff go down outside mm-hmm. and I see this this project and it looks like a beautiful start into a conversation and I know I need to talk, but I also know I need to do action. So let me try to do both and maybe that leads to a greater action and then a greater action. And so not only just you all, but a lot of the artists are coming up 
with things that are kind of mind blowing, like community engagement in this project was something I thought that the artists were going to be like, Oh, we gotta, <laughs> we have to, you know what I mean? It, don't get me wrong. It's a great way to network and yeah. to get people involved in the project and learn about the project, but it also could be a hindrance. Yeah, it gets right? in the way of the right. productivity. It could be a hindrance to your creativity and your process and the way you do things. And I feel like even with this project now, like the artists are taking it on to be something beyond that. Right. And, and we're using it in ways to get people to, um, for lack of a better term, meditate. Meditate isn't right because meditation is a is a practice of, of calming, I think. But it's more so getting people to kind of vibe with them. Yeah, and I think meditate is, this, is, this, is right? good because okay. sometimes you can meditate on a specific uh, idea, icon, action or subject and, yeah. and just put your focus into it in a way that's you know, beneficial. I think something that was important about this is that I was teaching to fish instead of giving fish. So later on, they can do this at home. And a lot mm. of them finished their work. We gave, you know, pink to go and everything. Right, right. And they finished it and sent pictures of what they finished, you know, like, was it a day later, two days later or something? That's great. You know? Yeah. I think mandalas are an important way to think about your own anxieties and your own troubles and sort of sorting things in terms of symbols a lot like how we thought about the mural some sort of like if you have a name for the monster you can fight it mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. you can prepare yourself for that and i think giving people the tools to make pictures and visual representations that they immediately understand can be therapeutic but also help get over stumbling blocks in a conversation, help people get to a new and hopefully potentially more helpful place in the conversation. And it is making a picture is also an action. Writing is an action. They're, they're verbs. It's doing something. You know, most people feel helpless. Uh, what, What can I do? And every aspect of that, not just the symbols, the colors they pick, the patterns they might use all has meaning and, and if it has meaning, then it's not for for just nothing. It's not just uh, marking time. It's something that they feel like they're being productive in a way that is. If it's not doing anything for someone else, it is at least helping them rid themselves and teach you know rid their family of some anxiety. Yeah. So the the last question I'm asking you all is a question that I ask every collaboration at the end, which is how does your mural add to the conversation of Mending Walls? I think a lot of the Mending Walls so far have been really beautiful memorials focused on Mm -hmm. the struggle and the things that are happening and commemorating the protests and all the people who have passed. And I think that's really important, but I think the way ours is different is that it's focused on the future and hopeful imagery and hopefully inspirational imagery. Uh, likewise, I think your whole thing was, you know, can we talk? What what comes after we acknowledge, yes, Black Lives Matter, what's next? And I think that's where our mural comes in. It's not just a eulogy to uh, our fallen loved ones and comrades. It is a... a a celebration of 
of optimism of the future of what we can do and who we have to in, invest in. I see them taking something from it. I see them taking a picture in front of her. I see them, you know, pointing something out. And I think uh, inspiring the conversation forward. You know, even if it's to say, what, what does that mean? If you have to ask a question, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's one thing I would rather have is you either hate it or you love it or you're curious about it. Right. Just not apathetic about it. Right. You react and, to it. Right. And I'm proud of it. I I hope Amy is as well. I think uh, learning experience, fantastic journey, you know, had some downtime just to chat about lots of things because of the rain. And so, again, no coincidence. All these things happen as they should. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I learned so much more about <laughs> y'all's <laughs> mural through this conversation. So I really want to show my appreciation for you all uh, coming in and discussing it with me. I know for a fact that everyone didn't catch all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's really good to, again, talk with you all and uh, kind of hash out these things through this podcast. But, so I appreciate you guys coming out. My absolute pleasure. Mine as well. Thanks, Hamilton. And thanks, Ross. Oh, thank you, Amy. You're the best. Aw, <laughs> thank you. All right, thanks, guys. This podcast was produced by Pam Hervey and Hamilton Glass, with support by Todd Hervey, Whitney Whiting, and George Parker. It was recorded at In Your Ear Studios and edited by 19 Red. Mending Walls was created by Hamilton Glass and supported by the Community Foundation for a Greater Richmond and Altria Group. You can be a part of the conversation by participating in the virtual community gatherings hosted by the Drums No Guns Foundation and the Community Foundation for a Greater Richmond. More information and link for registration can be found at the website www.mendingwallsrva.com Please keep listening for details on when and where you can see the one-hour documentary on Mending Walls to be broadcast on public television. You can listen to other episodes of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.